Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and of course with me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we are carrying on with the road to Picard and finishing off the next-gen Borg episodes this week. We're going to be looking at iBorg, but also the two-part Descent episodes. Yeah. So, so far, we're, we're, we're on a good hit rate with Borg episodes, and we're going to see... Yeah, I think next-gen... In total, there's only six Borg episodes, yeah. which, over a seven-year span, 24 episodes per season, isn't actually a lot. No, not at all. And it, but it works nicely, having not having too many. No, but... Another show... <laughs> uh, did them a little bit to overkill. Yeah, but the, yeah, they're used sparingly, and when they are used, there's always a good sort of shock effect in fact we're going to see that with these two episodes the the opening teaser for both these episodes finishes with a reveal of a bog yeah and that's enough to kind of hook, hook the viewers you. in yeah so should we start with iBorg then um story's quite straightforward they find a bog drone that we later come to call Hugh they take him back to the ship because he's been injured there's a plan to use him as a way of infecting the hive, which picks up on sort of an idea that, I mean, it was nanites they were talking about in Best of Both Worlds. Yeah, where here they start looking at... Um, it's like an invasive programme. Yeah, because of how they, how they look at things through the ocular devices. Yeah, it's... It, It'll send a, fit, a loop where more and more will try solving it. And it'll eventually wipe. It's a bit like um, how Kirk used to talk computers to death in the original yeah. series with sort of logic loops that they yeah. couldn't get out of. And they they do sort of technobabble it a bit like it's a shape that can't exist it's in paradox. space and time. And yeah. It's like, but you've got a picture of it, Data, so yeah. it obviously does exist. <laughs> but yeah, I've always found it a bit... Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. It's like, well, if it's that bad, how come Data, Data's head's not exploding yeah. looking at it yeah, if Data, it's that? Data can look at it, but the bog can't. Yeah, it's... Mm, I think, yeah, you've just got to give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. on it. But, so the dilemma basically is, do we use it? Do we not use it? Is Hugh a person? Is Hugh not a person? And ultimately gets returned back to the collective. So... It's a different kind of Borg story than we've had before. Yeah, it's well, it's. I think Next Gen's very good at this. That every Borg story is very different. Yeah, which is why they were, I think you so sparingly. Yeah, it's it's a, an interesting, different approach that we're not going to do a big battle with the Borg. No, and we're not no, even really going to have them as a threat in this no, episode. No, no, they're not a threat in this episode. Apart mm. from they've got to leave before the detective. Yeah. But they're not a threat. There's no battle with the Borg. Yeah. It's the found and injured Borg. Dr. Crusher, obviously because she's a doctor, she's morally obliged to treat yeah. him as a patient. They start talking to him, interrogating, and Geordie makes friends with him. So, sort of gives him a name. Yeah, it's one of those classic... Star Trek idea episodes, really, yeah. that, you know, going back to the, the sort of classic theme of what is it to be human and what does it mean to be a person yeah. and um, all this stuff. And we get some really interesting 
kind of back and forth on it. And I think the guy who plays Hugh's really good. He makes him a very sympathetic character. He's yeah. very likeable. Well, they do say that he's an adolescent, so he's... Yeah. So is that part of why he's so easy for them to... Maybe so, yeah. I mean, but, you know, Picard's kind of stands against that, doesn't he? He's like, we yeah. mustn't, just because he's young, we must not treat him like a child and everything. Yeah. And obviously we see how he evolves in that over the episode. So we'll take a bit of a look at then what we kind of get from Picard. So at the start then, it's... I'm a bit sort of in two minds as to what's going on in, in terms of Picard's motivation. Like, he... It looks as if he agrees to beam the Borg up through a sense of obligation because he's injured. Yeah. And he's sort of basically agreeing to humanitarian aid. But he's very quick to kind of come up with this plan of, well, we're going to use him to infect the hive. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder, at what point did he decide that was the plan? Did he have it in the back of his head all along? I think he's had it... I think straight away he's thinking... Can he be used? Can we use him in any way against the Borg? So, you, so you think that informs his decision to yeah. bring him up? Then? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think for, he'd have had a Borg on the ship for humanitarian reasons. Right. I, I, I just don't. No, and, and you know, I'm not saying we we know what the Borg have done to him previously. <clears throat> he knows how ruthless, how uns, how single-minded of purpose they are. So. You heal this Borg and suddenly you've got a full a Borg that can adapt to the force fields and everything. Yeah, that's on the ship. That's the point of how potentially dangerous having one there. Yeah. That could learn things and yeah. yeah. So I mean, in a sense, that shows almost a darker side to Picard that he's he's willing to concoct this plan kind of thing and he isn't yeah. willing to offer any yeah. humanitarian and, aid. And look, like and we're not we actually like we're talking here of genocide yeah the 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 plan is for genocide to kill all the Borg and not just like the Borg that are there that they've got to fight now all the Borg full genocide which is yeah and uh, most of them are pretty okay with it you know they talk about we're at war and there is a little bit of a a sort of back and forth on well Dr. Crusher raised, you know, the, there's rules in war and you don't attack civilians, but, you know, Riker comes back with, well, there aren't any civilians in the Borg, so... Yeah. It, it, it is really interesting. It's a, an interesting idea to explore. And Picard kind of detaches himself for most of the episode. Like, he, he doesn't want to go see yeah. you. He wants nothing to do with him. And... I wonder, he says at the end, maybe I didn't want to go see him because I didn't want to see his humanity, but I don't know if it is entirely that or whether there's just an element of he just has no interest in seeing, you know, the, the Borg are just black and white to him. They're in it, they're I think it's, threat, I think it's the enemy. Borg. I think the Borg are black and white and he has first hand of that. And yeah. Like, we know from his trauma. And we see it later on in First Contact. Yeah, we do. Let's kill them all. He has that mentality. Yeah. And I think this is the first time we've seen it, that his mentality with the Borg is, 
all of them have to be killed. Yeah, and that that's sort of reflected in um, Guinan because she's starts out sort of even more so than where Picard is. Yeah. Like, she's, you shouldn't have even brought him on board. No. And we get that when the fencing, so we, we saw that in We'll Always Have Paris, and they've actually picked up on it again. Yeah. That, so fencing is obviously something that Picard does have as a bit of a hobby. Yeah, it's and, not just a, a guy, one-off thing. But then we find, like, have here that is fencing with Guinan, and she makes him drop his guard, and she beats him. Yeah. And she goes, and that's what the Borg will do. So, yeah, they're doing <laughs> kind of what they do with the poker games to illustrate yeah. a point for, you know, that has a bigger bearing on the story. That Yeah, they do that. Or Guinan does it with Picard when they're fencing, yeah. And then, gradually, Guinan sort of comes around once she well, speaks to yeah. him. Like, she's, an, she's really annoyed with George when she goes, you named the Borg? Yeah. Because... I mean, I don't know. Does it track with Guinan? Because she was, she was the one who was saying back in Best of Both Worlds Part One. She, oh, sorry, Q. Who she was saying, you know, maybe eventually you'll be able to have some sort of relationship with the Borg. But I, have we kind of? No, I thought that she said that they'll beat you, but a thousand years down the line you'll come back. That's and recover. in that's in Best of Both Worlds Part right. One, but in Q. Who. She does say maybe eventually the Federate, and we we commented on it at the time that it doesn't fit with what yeah. we later find out. So I think maybe like Bayman Q, who it was the first time we saw the Borg. So you've got to give them time where they're still developing oh, yeah, these think, as, a, as a character. I think that's what we're doing is quietly retconning it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're developing them as characters, and they don't just <laughs> scoop up cities anymore. They're, no, it's all about assimilation now. And Guinan, yeah, she, after talking to him, comes around and then she works on Picard, you know. She says, yeah, have you talked to him? You've got to talk to him if you want, if you're going to use him as a weapon, you need to speak to him. And I like the scene where Picard is pretending to be Locutus. And yeah, but automatically Hugh recognises him yeah, as Locutus, the do noise Locutus. So, did they not send out a memo saying, you know, Locutus got taken back into humanity? But but then Q, uh, Hugh, sorry, he's rather sort of confused at the time. And yeah. Yeah, so he recognises him and Picard, Picard plays up to it and uses it as a way of sort of getting what he wants out of Hugh well, to well, find out what's going he on. He wants to see, and his, this species must be assimilated, and Hugh argues, no. Yeah. And that's kind of the breakthrough, isn't yeah. it, with with Picard, and ultimately he decides not to go ahead with the plan. So the the other main character then is Hugh himself, and he goes on sort of quite a journey in the episode. He, as we say, he starts off as a drone, and we see him learn individuality from Geordi. Yeah. And it starts with this idea of loneliness. So he, he, he kind of gets to... Geordi sort of introduces an, an emotion that Hugh could be feeling and that sort of awakens something and it develops from there. Yes. And he starts to develop the individuality and everything. And then right at the end, it's it's interesting because we get this thing of he can now choose whether 
he goes back to the bog or not yeah. does he stay here as a citizen well not citizen but you know stay here as an individual or return to the collective or does he go back and this is sort of a secondary kind of dilemma for them to work through so you know they've gone back and forth on the is it ethical to use him as a weapon thing but then it's well, is it ethical to just send him back into yeah, that does he want that and ultimately Hugh chooses to do it because he knows that the Borg will look for him if yeah so it becomes quite a sort of heroic character yeah. really by the end of it which is it's pretty good going in 45 minutes to take a character we've never yeah. met on a journey like this and to to give him that development and have him ultimately make a decision that's quite quite well, noble. Quite, quite noble decision. Yeah. And um, the stuff we find out about the Borg then, we we only get sort of little bits really. We, we, we've kind of firmly established everything. Yeah, we... Um, we find out that um, how, how that they feed on energy. Yes, yeah. So they rely on energy for the for the nutrition. I assume it's nanites turning it into nutrition in the bodies yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, that bit is new. Yeah, like you've got to have something to feed the biological parts. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the things we've not really touched on with the body yeah. before. So we do we do get a little bit of that and. We get sort of a second Borg ship, like we see a Borg scout ship, which is just a smaller queue. Yeah. Which, yeah. like, I, to me, it makes sense that the Borg would always just have cubes. You know, we've talked about the very utilitarian, and it's, yeah. the, their engines aren't the same and everything, so they don't need warp nacelles, and they just make a functional ship. Yeah. And run with it, and so to me, it makes sense that a scout ship is just a smaller cube. Yeah, it's just a smaller version of what we've seen before, and it's the it's the first time we get the designations. You know, we've had Locutus before, but now we get he's third of third of five. So we know there was five members on the scout ship. Yeah, so it sounds like it's probably sort of like a shuttle, almost or a runabout, and that that fits in. Um, with what we sort of got told in Best of Both Worlds, that they have separate units that, that function cells. and do their yeah. job, uh, but they fit in with a bigger hull, and obviously the designation thing is going to come back in with Seven of Nine yeah. and Voyager. But once you've been Seventh of Nine, if he's Third of Five, or should he have been Three of Five? I, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds cooler seeing yeah. Seven of but Nine. But she was Seven... Seven of nine of tertiary adjunct. Yeah. So we get a little bit more on kind of the bog mythology and this sort of idea of an episode where we take the enemy and get to know them. We do that in Deep Space Nine as well. Like they did it with the Jem'Hadar in, is it, oh, I forget what it's called, is it the adversary? Or, yeah. And, you know, there's a different outcome there really the Jemadar sort of can't be tamed and everything but it shows that it's a it's a solid idea for a story and a solid yeah. um, structure that you can use and adapt to other shows yeah I think and it everything. works it works well as a story so what were your sort of highlights of this one um, then? I think Picard when his actors look cute is brilliant yeah 
I suppose it must be difficult for Picard as a character to do that. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it might not have been referred to in the same way then, but surely he's still got sort of a degree of PTSD from well his experiences, but he, he taps back into that. Yeah, he must... Well, we learn later on that he has PTSD for... And, like... Is this season five? This is five, yeah, towards yeah. the end of season five. Yeah, so it's about a year and a half after this, after the events yeah. of Best of Both Worlds. So it'd still be traumatised. And his brother has said this will be with you a long time. Yeah, yeah. It will be. And we see that, like, it, it, overall, Patrick Stewart's acting is great. Like, he's, his face just changes as soon as it's the Borger involved. Yeah. And you can see that he has got a very black and white view on them, at least at first. Yeah. And it's quite a big thing, I think, for his character that he has to come and accept that it isn't always that black it and white is, yeah, with the bar. We've got, we've or got, at least the, in we've this, got case. this this strong and we've disconnected him from the collective and being able to talk to him and being able to reason with him. Yeah. Back to like, how to think like an individual. And I think that's it, because as soon as he says, I don't want to, then Picard just changes completely yeah. and he's the sort of diplomatic side of him, the explorer side of him, the humanitarian side of him kicks in and he realises they can't do it. And this sort of brings me on to one of my only sort of nitpicks with the episode was that they don't once it becomes clear that Hugh has gained a degree of individuality it's kind of cut and dry from that point we're not going to do it yeah and I think maybe would it have been interesting to explore that we're still going to do it even though it's an individual like you know have somebody suggest it maybe yeah and we do touch on that a little bit in descent that we're you know we're going to look at in this episode so we won't get too hung up on it but i think it it would have been interesting to go down even if we ultimately dismiss it yeah to go down that avenue and you know you think like to be fair i think it's something janeway would have done no problem yeah that's what i was just gonna I, say if, like if it had been janeway then the bog would be over yeah, she well, they might have adapted to what the plans, but yes. she'd have gone ahead with. She'd have plan. gone ahead with it, and I think Cisco would have done as well. Like yeah. you look at something like in the Pale Moonlight, and he, yeah, what he does there. So yeah, he'd have. <laughs> I think he he would have done, and so it's interesting that Picard, out of all the sort of captains, does have the one who's the been call. the one who's been assimilated and the one who has yeah. the most reason to hate them and that's it and, and he's, he's the one who's able to yeah it's it tells us a lot about again like the strength of him and the the character of him the integrity of him and it's again an interesting sort of journey that his character goes on from outright sort of hatred and dismissing it completely that the fact that this bog becomes an individual is able to change his mind, yeah. like you say, it, that he can put aside those prejudices and put aside his hatred. And it it almost seems um, a little bit silly to 
refer to it as if it is a prejudice because Picard has every reason to hit the bog. Yeah, and everybody I've, has every reason to. Yeah, uh, like the bog, the bog at this time are pretty much an unstoppable force. Mm. But they're also a completely immoral force as well. You know, it's not like. You can't reason with them. Yeah. You can't negotiate. Not like the Klingons or the Romulans. You can't, you can't surrender. And they've not got their own culture. They're not. They're not people in the strictest no. sense. You know, they they don't have. You know, going back to like measure of a man and everything. I I don't think would you even class them as sentient. You know. Well, I think you'd have to say it's sent the sentient, but it's how they operate. Because the operator's yeah, a hive mind. I suppose that's it, yeah. The Borg as a collective, I suppose, is a sentient yeah. being because it it does it's have hive self-awareness, mi- hive it does mind. have individuality. It's... But they are the, a, a totally ruthless alien. Yeah. Right. Like, they're a very difficult one, and it, it's why Voyager messes up with having so many Borg episodes. Because when they introduced them, they made too strong an alien. Yeah, they were absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. And so you do have to come... I mean, we talked about it last uh, last time with Best of Both Worlds 2, is you do have to come up with these elaborate ways of defeating them. Yeah. And you can't... Or Voyager can, but you, you shouldn't do it week in, week <laughs> out. Because it does diminish them every time yeah. you bring them back and defeat them again and again and again but like we'll look at some of the Voyager ones yeah and next, next week, next week we're going to look at Scorpion yeah where Scorpion's very early like, days so. yeah I like Scorpion uh, but we'll maybe get round to looking at some of the later ones and everything but yeah at this stage I think it's it's a clever decision to not tell the same Borg story again. We're going to do something different. We're going to focus yeah, let, on an let's individual. Have, have another fight with them, chasing to the Earth. We've done that. We need to do something different yeah. if we're using them again. And it, it does add another layer to the Borg. Yeah. But it doesn't ultimately diminish them as a threat at this stage. You know, the Borg is are still out there. We don't know yeah. what's going to happen with Hugh's influence. No, it's like it's... We've turned this Borg into an individual, but we're sending him back. Like, this is... Like, we have to look at this in descent. But, like, how I see it, when he goes back, he'd just be brought back into the hive. Mm. There shouldn't be any difference, because it'd be just, like, a normal individual being assimilated. You would think so, yeah. Unless there's a difference between... So when you assimilate someone from scratch, you're bringing them into the bog and you're yeah. changing them and everything but whereas if they just reconnect him just reconnect him and he's got this individuality yeah. what does that do and that's that Picard sort of finishes this episode on more of a hopeful note doesn't yeah. it that you know maybe that will have an impact and that yeah. will do something to the bog and of course we we kind of find out what yeah. that is in the next one we're going to look at it's weird so I feel like a it's a great episode, but I feel like I don't have an enormous amount to say about it because it's, it, it, it is just a good, well-acted... Yeah, it's well-acted. Dilemma's good. Dilemma's good. We find out some new things about the Borg. Yeah. We meet in Hugh, who we know is going to be in Picard. Absolutely, yeah. And we know that he has his augmentation removed in Picard. Yes, yeah. So we know he's no longer a Borg, so... It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Is there anything else you want to cover on this one? Before I don't we look think there's much descent? more to cover on this one. 
Yeah. Okay, well, we'll move on then. So we've got Descent, which was the season six finale, the cliffhanger, and then the season seven premiere that yeah. resolved it. And um, we're going to cover both of them together rather than split it up. Because then we've covered, then we've on the road to Picard, we've covered all the Borg. We, yeah, we've cleared the we move. TNG Borg for now. Yeah. So um, again, a bit of a different type of Borg story. We start out with your pretty standard Star Trek opening, the responding to a distress signal. As I said, we get that end of the teaser, the reveal of the Borg. Yeah. And for me, it it still works at this point. They've been away, at this stage, it's over a season since we've last seen yeah. the Borg. So it's quite a big thing to see them again. They're, they're still a very intimidating. They're still an intimidating. They've not been... Like, it's again, they haven't been overused. No. And again, we go back to a budget thing, like, the Borg episodes were hugely expensive because of the makeup and costumes. Yeah. But then, this one, we soon find out that the these Borg are behaving differently. Yeah. And uh, we see them being more aggressive, they seem to have individual names and everything. And that makes up sort of the bulk of part one of this episode alongside... Data's started to experience emotion, starting yeah, well, with anger. He starts, he gets really angry with the bargain. Yeah, violently angry, and that leads to Data takes the bog that they've got captured, disappears through these um, like subspace corridors that they're using, and they all end. They end up on a planet. Data we know's gone down there. Yeah, and we end up. Everybody's going looking for him. Yeah, like. Don't you think this was always a little overkill? That yeah. one crew member we sent down nearly the entire crew. Yeah, it, and I, I, I don't know what it serves in terms of the story. Like, why do we need to get everyone off the ship? Well, it served that. Then we had the problem of uh, an ensign at tactical, and <laughs> yeah, but you could still have done that without evacuating and, and everybody. Crush, and Crusher is captain, and and the whole thing. And then they've got the thing that they've got forty, only got forty sec. They've only got um, a, a flyby of the planet for thirty-five seconds, yeah, yeah. and it's going to take fifty seconds to get everyone off. Yeah, it's and a, it's it's a strange idea that and. Things like the, the fact that the entire senior staff, apart from Crusher, yeah, go down. Like, Picard well, never just, goes on away missions. The entire se- senior staff is sent down the majority of the crew to look for one yeah. person. It's, it's very peculiar. and I, I, It's very out of... Yeah, it's out of character. I for can't Picard. think of an, I can't think of another next gen episode where it sends everyone down. No, they don't. on an away mission. It's really odd that they decide to do it. It's almost like, well, it's the season finale. We're going to do this just to heighten the stakes yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But down on the planet, they discover that law data's brother is behind it all yeah and what's worse data's joined with him and apparently they want to destroy the federation which 
I do think this is, apart from Best of Both Worlds, I think this is TNG's best season finale It's a really good cliffhanger season finale. It's it's excellent. It, and Lord's a great villain. Yeah. We've, we've not covered any of his episodes previously, but it, it's great that they it's bring not, him back. Like, it's not actually in that many episodes. No, things only in two before this yeah. one. Um, but three, he's still... Two, three. Yeah. And he's still... An interesting villain is a great threat. The way they set it up, data going over to the dark side, if you will. Yeah. And it, it is an excellent cliffhanger. But then the rest of the story, I think we do fall into that second part syndrome again. Definitely fall into that second part syndrome. Because There's... not much happens in the second half. Yeah, You've we have... Got... Like, we have Crusher keep trying to fly into... Yeah, I think the Crusher stuff's really good. Oh, and it's quite... There's some nice stuff with Jensen and the Lieutenant where yeah. the Lieutenant says, I'll have to be really good with my calculations. Then later, she's, she's, up, she's doing it. She goes, yeah, I'll have to be really good with my calculations. Yeah, it's, it's good. Back and at you, but it works as that bridge stuff. It does. And Crusher, I think, comes across great in a command role. Yeah. She seems to really know her stuff. And... It's a side of her we've not really seen. Like, she, and it's it's a side that's not seen and it's not explored really. She's held the rank of commander, but we've never seen her in a command it, position. Yeah. And I think she, she does really, really well. It it's good for her character because you know I'm not saying all the female characters were underserved in Next Generation, but they kind of were. The, the, and they were quite you know they were quite guilty of it at the time. Yeah. It, it's something that wouldn't happen on TV. No, nowadays. it definitely wouldn't. I mean, but it did used to happen a lot in uh, not just Star Trek. No, talking. it wasn't. It was uh, TV was male orientated, male oh, driven. Absolutely, yeah. And I think giving her something to do, she's really good in yeah. this one. And yeah, so that's that's sort of one thread of the second part. The other thread is Picard, Troy, and Jordy who were captured by Law. And that's it, really. Yeah, the and, whole thing with them. And Data spent some time torturing Jordy. Yeah, a little bit. And then Riker and Worf find Hugh. And Hugh, basically, after a bit of um and ahhing, joins them and they manage to rescue yeah. everybody. And that's that, really. So, it, for me, the first half, I think, is great. And then the second half... There's just not enough in it. There's yeah. not enough story to cover the 45 minutes. And it doesn't ultimately Live lead up. to a right lot. It, you no. Know. We, like, we don't... We co- like, we find out that these Borg... Law's been messing with them. They've been affected because of Hugh. Yeah. So, that so the, that's what's triggered that it. Thread. That's what's triggered it. That's what started this... Where the started to fit individual thoughts and all that. Yeah. And they're broken away from the collective or they're being thrown out of the collective. Yeah, we do we do get the answer to that. What effect will it have? And it, it looks like it's a localised thing. It's not the entire Borg yeah. collective that have gone off the rails, but I always imagined it was just Hugh's ship, whichever ship yeah, rescued I think, him. Yeah, I think that that's just been a very small ship. And, yeah, they've taken on this individuality. They've broken away. Yeah, and this, they were struggling how to yeah. deal with things. The Law's come across them, and he's basically taken command. Yeah, Law's taken command, and he's taken them 
the other way from, okay, we don't need biological life. Yeah, like, what we're going to do is try and attain... The full automation. <clears throat> which is what he thinks of as perfection. Yeah. So Lord's, yeah, now the, the leader of this kind of sect of Borg, and he's doing these weird experiments and things, and it, I'm not quite sure how it all works, because he says we're going to experiment on Geordie. Because he's got neural implants and yeah. things for his eyes. So he's a good candidate. So is he doing experiments to see if he can basically turn humans into machines? Is that yeah. what he's trying to yeah, do? Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. He's, try- he's trying to get away with... He's trying to replace the biological parts of the Borg with, with robotics. Yeah. So... We get that, and but, like, and that's the promise is is sold them. Yeah, but then you see, like, you see a couple of these. You do, yeah, and, and that's quite a. It's sort of a striking image, really, of yeah. these bogs that have and been. It's like, and you says he made a promise, but he has no idea how to carry it out. Yeah, he's just basically, yeah, he's trying to get an army to follow him, but he doesn't have the 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 skill really to yeah. do what he what he's promised to do and have the knowledge he wants the ability. to do and, and there is something quite tragic in seeing these bogs that have been abused in that way and disfigured in that way and which is it's a strange that you say it's quite tragic because yeah. the bog are going through the galaxy assimilating everyone turning everyone into what they are and they've had something done to them yeah there, that's what, there's an irony to yeah, it as well very, but these bog are not at that stage, they have broken away, so yeah. they at least have the potential for individuality. We we don't know how far down that path they've gone. Yeah, because it, they're sort of the damaged in in two ways, really. The the sort of damaged from what happened when Hugh rejoined the bog. Then Law comes along and does all this oh, stuff yeah. to them. So there's probably not much left of them. <laughs> In terms of, you know, the soul or whatever you want to call it. But th- there's not much left of them as people or as individuals, I don't suppose. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some interesting concepts being batted around. And the, the other main thing is Data. So let, let's take a look sort of where he goes with his character. It, it starts off with him getting angry in this fight with the Borg. Yeah. And ultimately killing the Borg and we find out later that he feels like he, he sort of took pleasure in, yeah, in killing pleasure the Borg. In, yeah, where, well we do find out later on that not only is Law Law's tapped into his emotion chip yeah. and he's transmitting it but not only that he's also affecting Data's moral yes. programming. Yeah, he's affected his ethical program so that yeah, because it, it's... Because we have the part where Law goes to him to feel emotions again, would you kill your friend? Yeah. And he, well, and he goes, yes. about Jordy, yeah. he says he would, yeah. It's it's interesting because for the the first half and the majority of the, the second half of the episode, we don't know that, that his ethics chip is being affected. No. So it does raise the question, and Data raises it himself of... You know, am I am an evil? Am yeah, I evil? Exactly, down? and that that's interesting to explore. And it he has this thing that he's worried about 
am I only capable of feeling negative emotions? Yeah. And like he talks to Troy, and he goes, "I've I've watched an opera so many, listened to so many operas. I've what I've looked at this out, and I've, well. I've been watching porn." Yeah, which <laughs> that makes you wonder: is he watching it on the holodeck, or I wonder if Starfleet have got one of them things? You know, a bit like they keep saying they're going to introduce in this country where if you want to look at porn on the internet, you've got a register that you want to look at porn on the internet. Which, do they think that's going to work? If people want to look at porn, they'll people look at porn. Look at porn. I mean, I'm going to register for that even if I don't look at porn just because I have the right to look yeah. at porn. So, yeah. you know, it's ridiculous. But anyway, that's, that's something else. But... It does make me wonder, like, has Data got to fill out this thing with Starfleet? Like, I want to look at Bond, please. But, yeah, so he's he's doing this to try and... And being an android, what species is he actually looking at Bond? Yeah, android Bond, yeah. maybe? I mean, I was going to say that doesn't exist, but I bet that does exist. <laughs> There'll be something out there, but don't Google it. And don't say we told you to either. Um, so, yeah, it does make you wonder what he's looking at. But we do know he's fully functional, so yeah. um, it obviously didn't have the desired reaction. <laughs> and yeah, so he, he dwells on this thing of, are they the only emotions I can get? And there is a thing with Troy where she's assuring him, you know, emotions aren't negative or positive, it's what you do with them. But we're finding out, as you say, that Laura is deliberately triggering these emotions that are going to have an adverse effect on data and are going to play him into his hands basically yeah. and there's quite a good scene in part two where law with his little fingernail button that he's got he's got his little controller under his finger for some reason um but he sort of takes away data's emotion and then that gets him to the stage where he's yeah. no please give me it back give me yeah. it back and i suppose you're kind of a a yeah, drug addiction metaphor in there. Yeah, but, it's very... But they, it's interesting that it, it, Data's got to this stage where he is dependent upon law to feed him this yeah. stuff and everything. And, I mean, do you think law is being genuine when he says the reason he's doing it is because... The reason he brings Data in is because what Dr. Soon gave him in that chip give him a sense of family as well or I don't know is that just law lying but then if he is lying why has he brought data in yeah because like it says there was a message for data in the yeah. on the chip and so it's I, I don't really know maybe he's brought data in because data is a better scientist than he is possibly you know data could help when he does put him to work helping with yeah. the experiments he's doing so maybe there's an element of that it's just hard to believe anything law says you know yeah. he's, he's not known for telling the truth and um data gets to the stage where he's saying his quest to be human was misguided and now he wants yeah he, presumably he's believing that he's this superior being that that law is what yeah, that, told him that, that, to the that as androids are superior and then this gets us into the resolution I think gets us into a murky area because he, he disables Laurie, switches him off and he says he's going to be dismantled but we've done all these episodes where we've established what androids rights are so yes Law's done a lot of bad things and 
he's a criminal, but surely he should be tried for what he's done. Yeah. But they, and they do this, you know, they do more or less the same thing with B4 in Nemesis, and we talked about that there, that Data imposes his memories on B4 without his consent, and he just does it. it. There's almost a double standard. It's like, oh, this applies to Data, because we like Data. Yeah, but... We can do what we like with Law. Yeah, Law will just take apart. So, which, you know, if that's not an android... He but, has just executed someone. Yeah, like, I think I think that I've got a feeling that the android we're going to see in Picard is going to be Law. Maybe so, because it's disassembled. Yeah, yeah, uh, we've uh, seen that in a trailer. Disassembled. Like we know it's got to be Law or B four. Yes, can't be, it cannot be Data himself. I mean, it makes sense for it to be Law because this is the last time we see him. And we're told he's been dismantled, so it would make sense that he finds his way yeah. back to Starfleet for people. So maybe he goes to Commander Maddox. Yeah. But it does just stickle with me a little bit because it's... I'm, I don't think you have the right to do that. You basically... If, he's a sen- if, we've, if we've decided that Data is a sentient being... Yeah, then by definition, Law, law is, is as well. Law is also the same. So, so do we have the right to just dismantle him? No. He should be tried yeah. as a war criminal yeah. and, you know, sentenced to life or whatever, but and it's the fact that Data makes that decision unilaterally yeah. and does it, you know, and it, presumably it's not turned around. But again, we may we may find out otherwise in Picard. Yeah, so. well, in the trailer, it does look like there's an army of androids. Yes, it does. Whether they are an army of androids is... We don't we know. We don't know yet, but... Maybe Maddox will turn out to be the villain. He finally gets to make his army <laughs> of daters and it all goes wrong. Possibly. But yeah, so there's interesting stuff going on there. Picard, we pick up on again, his, his um, feelings about the Borg. Yeah. We see that how he felt about Hugh is extended to this new colony of Borg he's not he doesn't see them as a threat he's willing to let them develop their own way if anything he, he's sort of almost a bit of admiration for Hugh you know Hugh says we don't have a leader and Picard says you know I think you do I think you do so you know he's, he's clearly okay with that side of it but we do still see Again, in some ways, he's still very black and white with the Borg. Yeah. And the... the We talked about... I mentioned when we talked about iBorg, there was no sort of discussion of, well, should we do it anyway, even though he is um, an individual. But then that does get brought up by Admiral Necheyev, who says yeah, you, you should have done. You should have done that. You should have done it. You know, it doesn't matter. It, you could have eliminated the whole threat. And... Eve, she even orders him that you if you have this opportunity it. again you will yeah so I'm glad they picked up on that thread and yeah. explored it a little bit um, going on to what we find out about the universe then so we got the little Borg ship last time but it's more you know it is just the cube but smaller but we get a new Borg ship in this one now I'm not fully convinced this is a actual bona fide Borg ship. I, do, I don't think it is, no. So I'm not. I think it's something they've commandeered, they've made augmentation to it, they've altered it, 
they put the Borg technology yeah. on it, but I don't think it's an actual. The Borg have made this ship like this. Yeah, I don't. I mean, they do. They say that in the episode. We're not sure, and they never come back to it. Yeah, and I have a feeling. I don't know if it's canon. But this is going back to my Eagle Moss models again. I have a feeling that they've made the ship that it was before. And it's basically that recoloured green. But, yeah. But yeah, the, maybe it's whatever ship Law was on when yeah. they first encountered them and they've adapted it. But in this context, it makes sense that we've got a ship that's different because this isn't the collective. This yeah, is, it does make sense that it isn't the Borg Cube. And again, when we get to Voyager, we'll talk about different Borg ship designs at some yeah. point. But um, I mean, I like the idea, as I've said, of the Borg just having cubes. But I suppose that doesn't sell merchandise as much. So you've got to <laughs> you got to diversify a little bit. We see the Borg using subspace travel, which is something that will become very yes. prominent yeah, in Transform. Voyager. Yeah. And we see that they're using names in this one. Yeah. And showing emotion. And this is a little bit of a gripe I've got with this episode. They've got stupid names. Like Croesus. I mean, come on. It's like, did you... um, Did Law have, like, some naff Pulp Fiction (laughs) B-movie book with him? And, like, I'm going to call you Croesus. I just find it really silly. Well, you don't know if it's... The original name, because... That's true, know. it could be, yeah. That's like, a fair point. Like, they're not... We've got to... Well, we've got to say that there could be some Borg from Earth, from War 35... Yeah, 359 could be But I think we'll find that most of them will be from the Delta Quadrants. Yeah. So... No, that's fair enough, it could be. I just thought the name was silly. But, um... Yeah, and you know, we can let the names go, I suppose, but I just... Mm. Yeah, I, I, suppose been, I think it had been Hughes of very normal names. And that's we the name relate, they gave him. We can yeah. relate to Hugh. But I think if we had all these other Borg that had human oh, names... Oh, yeah, it'd be stupid it'd if it was Steve the Borg and... Yeah, so I think they did right to come up with you're something right, very you're different. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, another thing, then, that I found really interesting, just in terms of... What Law's plan is that, you know, we want to create this perfect artificial race. I wonder what would have happened if the Borg Queen had have met Law. Because she chooses Data to be her counterpart over Lacutus in first contact. But Data's not up for it. Law had been well up for that. So it'd have been an interesting meeting to have those two come together in some way. And again, I wonder if the, maybe there's a book or a comic out there where somebody's explored that Possibly. idea. There's a, that many books, that many comics. Yeah. And if not, it'd be it'd be something I'd be interested to see. <laughs> yeah, because they'd be quite the power couple, the Borg, yeah. the Borg Queen, Queen and, and Law. Um, so it's lucky, really, she picked on Data rather than than well, lucky for the human race in First Contacts anyway. And then. We end up then, basically, with a colony of Borg that can't go back to the collective. We've been separated. And got individuality. And Hugh is going to lead them, we assume. Yeah. So, you know, I presume this is going to factor into Picard in well, some way. It's got to, because we, we know, we know in Hugh it. is in it. So, what the fate of this colony of Borg has got to be explored. Yeah. To some extent, and 
you know, I hope we get the answers of were they able to overcome it and be their own society or yeah. did they end up getting reassimilated? And if they did, what were the knock on effects or of did, that? Or did the Federation or the Romulans come along and covertly yeah. just take them all into to experiment it, it on? It could be that. It's the sort of thing Section 31 had. Yeah. They would be interested in this colony of Borg, yeah. I would assume. Yeah. And the other sort of element we get introduced in this episode, which is, has already been followed up on, is Data's emotion chip, which we see come back in Generations. Yeah, that yeah, he takes out and he's yeah. pulls up and he's off to destroy it. And Geordi stops him and goes, what kind of a friend would I be if I let you? Which is interesting that he pulls the phaser out. It's like, just put it in the bin, Data, you yeah. know what I mean? We well, don't, he's off to destroy it, isn't he? We don't to need to be shooting stuff, but... Yeah. I assume that the... They can fire phases on the ship. Yeah, unlike in Star Trek Six. <laughs> yeah, what set off the thing. Yeah. So, um, highlights of this one then, or this uh, two? <laughs> well, yeah, like we talked about um, in the last episode, that Picard possibly has a robot hand. Yeah. I think he might also have a robot eye after this okay. episode from the Borg uh, implants, because Geordie tells him to open a chip and look at it to sort out <laughs> alternate. Have you ever looked at a microchip? How tiny they are. That's a fair point. <laughs> so you're just turning Picard into the six million dollar man over the course of these last couple of episodes. <laughs> he just needs a leg as well and he'll be fine. But yeah, that's a very good point. And one that occurred to me in this episode is if Data had Wi-Fi, things would be so much easier. Like well, any episode where they're caught in a cage, you know, just did it and you'd yeah. be able to do it. But Data clearly doesn't have Wi-Fi, <laughs> so I liked um, the poker game at the start with Newton and Einstein now, and this Hawkins. is really interesting. Uh, Stephen Hawkins is the only person to ever play himself in Star Trek. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> Well, weirdly you mentioned that. It's the first time I saw this, I didn't know who Stephen Hawking was. Right. So I thought he was another made-up... You know, not yeah. another made-up one, so obviously the other two are real. But, you know, I was like, oh, is this where they've taken two real scientists and invented another one that that doesn't exist? But then obviously, you know... Yeah. I was quite young when I first saw it and found out who Hawking was. And, you know, there's various stories, isn't there, about him being on set and saying he's working on warp drive yeah. and... Things like that. So it's a really nice <laughs> opening. Doesn't add anything to the story, but it's just no. Great, it is a nice little scene. It's a great little scene. Uh, Stephen Hawking's wanted to be on, and they wrote a scene. Yeah, well, which if Stephen Hawking <laughs> wanted to be on your show, you write him a scene. On and, your it show. It, and it was very cleverly yeah, done. Yeah, very well done. And um, it's John Neville as Isaac Newton, who was one of the villains in the X Files. Who was the well manicured man? See, one of them where you know when you're looking at someone's face and you say, and you go. Oh. But, uh, yeah, that was who that was. I like the bit where, in part one, where they get a distress call from a colony, and then they find out it's a false alarm, and Riker says, that's three today. Yeah. It's like, what are these guys playing at? Well, they say, they say, don't they, um, forward the ship recognition. <laughs> yeah, and make sure he reads sure it. Read it. <laughs> um, what about downsides to this one, then? Um... Like we said, the second second parts, not a lot going on. There's really. not. There's not enough story. There's not enough story to the second part. It could have been 
It could almost have been done as a as a one part of this it, story. It could. I mean, you get a great cliffhanger, yeah. but there's just not enough in the second bit to support it for my money. Yeah. Um, downsides. I think we talked about like you know the skeleton leaving a skeleton crew in charge is yeah. a bit silly. Um, with them trying to escape, they, they do the old my cellmate's ill routine. Yeah. <laughs> surely the Borg should be a bit wise to that well, by now. Well, possibly not because these are newly individual learning things. Yeah, true. So. It's a bit hackneyed as a, an escape <laughs> plan. At least they didn't do what's the one in Thor, uh, get help. They didn't do that one at least, but. Um, there's no scene between Hugh and Geordie. No, this is really strange. Yeah. To say... Yeah, you mentioned this to me earlier and I hadn't cottoned on yeah, to that. Yeah, those two are the two that have a relationship yeah. in Iborg, but then we it's don't never get... Played, it's never played yeah, on Yeah, we don't this. get a reunion, which is very odd. And I've got a real personal peeve about this one, which is particular to uh, any viewers who saw this on Sky in the UK. What they did was they snuck an extra advert break in the episode. If you watched it on Sky, what happens in the broadcast version and the version on Netflix is you have the poker game, uh, there's a red alert called, they go down to the planet, they find the bog, then you get your opening credits. Yeah. What Sky did, they did the poker game, the red alert, they put the credits in, then they showed the rest of the teaser and snuck in an advert break. Which, just, that's really bad. So, I, I was thinking, going back to it now, I'm like, oh, I wonder if the teaser's really long and they did yeah. that. No, it's about four minutes. They, it I just say, like, having watched this again last night, ready for tonight. Yeah. This episode, and I think... It's not a particularly, not a particularly long way. one. But, yeah, sneaky sky. Yeah, anyway. like, they didn't do any particularly long ones. It's not like... I could imagine with quite a few of Discovery's episodes... Having an advert yes, break in there. Yeah. Like, I think the longest is about 25 minutes still uh, <laughs> yeah. titles. And we'll see what E4 <laughs> does with it when they come to yeah, it. Yeah, which but... is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that was Eyeborg and Descent then. And next week on the Road to Picard, we're going to leave Next Gen for a bit. Yeah, we're going to have a look at Voyager. And we're going to look at Scorpion in Voyager. Yeah, introducing Seven of Nine. Yeah. Who we also know is going to be in Picard. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. Email, we're RetrekPod at gmail.com or just find us on the Facebook group that we've got. Search for Retrek. Uh, for now, though, thanks for trekking with us this time and we'll see you next time thanks on the Retrek. Bye-bye.